0: How's it going everybody welcome to the third line plug sense cast i am your host taylor gibson joining me as always from the tropical metropolis of calgary alberta my co-host tim jency tim how's it going sir
1: been going good going good we got another chinook rolling through so it's actually above zero today
0: nice nice man now have you guys gotten any snow yet or are you still the grass is still green
1: so we had snow the last time it, like the temperature dipped back down, but a lot of the bits melted off. So the grass is back to being green. Uh, we're supposed to get some snow tomorrow but I doubt. It's going to stick.
0: Okay. So yeah, cause usually in Calgary, it's usually the light fluffy stuff, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. And then it's because the temperature is up and down and up and down and up and down. That's just how Calgary works. Right. See, honestly, if
0: it was like that here, instead we get that really shitty fucking slushy Well, it
1: becomes the slushy wet though, right? Because it's like the temperature will dive down to negative 30. Then it'll come up to plus 10 and then just keep doing that for the entirety of winter. So yeah, no, it very quickly becomes slushy shitty. Yeah,
0: but I I was just saying if if the snow here was kind of like that, where it's just like light and fluffy,
1: I'd be fine with it. Yeah, like it's fun for a day, yeah?
0: Yeah, that's true. That is true. So, Tim, even though we just came out of the NHL All-Star break, I didn't watch any of it. The jerseys looked nice, though.
1: They did.
0: Give them that. But even though we came out of the All-Star break and there wasn't really a ton to talk about, we're still going to have a great episode to talk about today. Yep. Because today's episode is Season 5, Episode 17, in chronological order, Episode 112, the Shane Pinto edition of the Third Line Plug, SensCast. So just a little background about Shane Pinto. He was drafted at 31st overall by the Ottawa Senators in 2019 and is currently in his second season with the Ottawa Senators after recording one assist in five
1: games prior to being injured. I think for Shane Pinto, what a lot of people see is potential. Because this is a guy who was a Hobie Baker candidate in his second year of college play immediately signs an NHL contract after that, and then slots naturally into the Senators lineup for the last 10 games of the 2021 season, 2020, 2021 season, granted, no games were played in 2020 uh, part of that season. And the Ottawa Senators looked pretty good with him anchoring a second pairing. And uh, to start the season, he looked pretty solid in his own end and was able to contribute a bit on the offense. One assist in five games is not Is pretty nice for a young guy who seems to be able to slot right in as a number two, number three guy.
0: 100%. And, you know, Shane Pinto is going to be one of these guys who I think we're going to hopefully look back on as being possibly the second best second line center the Sens have ever had. But the way that Tim Stutzel is playing as our 2C with Josh Norris as a 1C, that's a really, really nice thing with the Sens right now. It's just the amount of depth we have at center.
1: Well, imagine if Stutzla jumps over. Well, I don't even have to imagine this. I would not be surprised if Stutzla eclipses Norris. Like, they're both young guys. But look at what Stutzla has been doing as a center. Like, that's insane. Like, imagine, and we've said this a ton of times, Stutzla, Norris, Pinto is a very strong one, two, three punch.
0: When is the last time do you think the Sens have this kind of center depth? Has to be well over 10 years.
1: Well over 10 years. I think the last one that I think even comes close would be like Spezza, Fisher, and either take your pick of Comrie or Br- Brichensky.
0: Wasn't Bruchensky Brichens- so, was no, a winger,
1: though? No, he Br- was a winger. Who was it? No, it was Hat. No, Havlat was also have how about
0: center Havlat was oh, yeah. kind of like Stitzler. he was kind of a right big, big centerman
1: yeah so i think you have to go back to those 05 06 06 07 teams to really see similar and then you had dean mccammond in there as well uh when they brought him in after the trade deadline there so there's a lot of these pieces that ottawa just hasn't had in a while and i think a triple threat down center is especially one of them and Matt Kastelik has looked really good in early showing too. Uh, we'll probably talk about it. Maybe not a lot this week, but definitely next week uh, as a good rookie defensive pivot.
0: For sure. And he was a guy that I remember when the Suns drafted him, we were just kind of like, he maybe we, we really didn't know because I think he was,
1: he was an overager with yeah He was an
0: overager with the Conger yeah, hitman. Right? It was kind of like, okay, maybe he might make it. He might be just a, depth guy at this point, but you never know, right? I thought he's actually looked not too bad. So I can't really don't have too many complaints on his end.
1: No. And it's nice to see that sort, like those sort of players make their way through. I really want to see a lot of these Ottawa prospects succeed, even if they don't succeed with the Ottawa senators and they succeed elsewhere.
0: See, I'm kind of different. I want them to succeed with us because I'm tired of watching our prospects not develop here, go somewhere else, and then they f- fully gain their potential.
1: True, but at the same time, I think Ottawa's cupboard is so full that we're n- there's going to be no avoiding something like that happening. Like, is there space for both Lassie Thompson and Jer- Jacob Bernard Docker if they both kind of go on their same track, right? So it's looking at that situation and seeing that the Ottawa Senators have a wealth of young players who will develop and uh, just be happy to see Ottawa's program succeed at all over the NHL and being able to look back at the end of it and say, look at how good of a draft organization the Ottawa Senators were for a five-year period or more. And Shane Pinto is definitely emblematic of it because you've got this guy who they picked up in the second round and we were just kind of like, you know what? It looks like he has some pedigree, but I don't know.
0: Yeah. And then that just seems like a lot of the draft picks that we've made over the years. Like we just, we didn't know much about Pinto. We didn't know much really We Josh Norris. We didn't know much about him when he came over from San Jose. You look at some of the other draft picks that we've made and we're just like, how
1: much do we really know about this guy? Right. Yeah. But I think that eventually, like that's the, the interesting thing about the centers is they've been able to develop a lot of guys and develop them. Well, and I think that'll be the difference between like the perpetual rebuild in Buffalo and what's happening in Ottawa is that the Ottawa senders have been able to draft up and down the lineup. Right.
0: Or, or even look at Edmonton, right. Outside yeah. of their first round picks, who have they really drafted that has panned out for them in the end?
1: Yeah, exactly. Right. Well, with the Ottawa Senators, you can look like in the 2020 draft, Sokolovs already played NHL games second rounder. From the 2019 draft, Shane Pinto, and Matt Sogard looks like he's going to be a very good player. Mark Kastelik, a fifth rounder, has played three NHL games. 2018 draft, hasn't been as nice, but Cruokshank was one of the last cuts to be made. And that was made by injury, fifth rounder. And Kevin Mandelize gets very high marks from other drafts. Formanton and Batherson from 2017. Our bona fide top six players. Second round, Formanton, fourth round, Bathurst. And then we traded Bowers before that pick could look too bad. Yeah. And granted, Bowers was basically a glorified second rounder.
0: You know what's hilarious is somebody actually brought this up on Twitter. Apparently, he's the only guy from that 2017 draft of the first round that still hasn't played a game in the NHL.
1: To be fair. He did get traded to a to Colorado. True. And he was at least on their taxi squad. So it's not like he's completely buried.
0: No, no, no. I guess, I guess you're true. I guess that's right. I guess that's right, Tim. So, Tim, you know, after talking about our cover athlete, usually we would segue into talking about next week's cover athlete poll. But I feel with the news that broke this past week, we've got an honorable cover athlete we have to make. And it's fitting that it's episode one twelve, Tom Brady. You mean the goat? For this of this generation, I will say yes. Do I think he's the greatest quarterback of all time? I would say of this generation, yes. I I still maintain Montana myself. That's that, that's just me. And you got to think about Tom Brady. The guy, he officially re- announced his retirement this past, I believe, it was Tuesday. He announced his retirement. 22 NFL seasons, 20 with the New England Patriots, two with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and here's some of the stats. And this is just mind-boggling. When I think he had an NFL record of 243-73, a touchdown to interception ratio over 22 seasons, 624. Holy shit, 203. He won seven Super Bowls, six with the Patriots, one with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He was a five-time Super Bowl MVP, three-time NFL MVP, and a 15-time Pro Bowler.
1: Yeah. Like, the thing with Tom Brady is, unlike other contenders for the best quarterback of the modern NFL era, or at least the last 20 years, he has the hardware to back up the argument for saying that he's the GOAT. The big difference when you bring up guys like Drew Brees, or Patrick Mahomes is they don't have the hardware. Mahomes is still young, although uh the last few years haven't, like this year just hasn't been as convincing for Mahomes. It was a bit of an off year. Drew Brees has the one Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, I don't think that's completely on Breeze to myself. No. Side. You know what? You look at some of the other guys who've played in the NFL, like Aaron Rodgers, like Russell Wilson, where they only have one ring. It's not because they are not great quarterbacks, it's because the teams. We're not good enough around yeah. them to get them to this point. And I think looking back on Tom Brady, you've got to really think that the core of the franchise quarterbacks that took over from the Joe Montanas, John Elways, Dan Marinos, Troy Aikmans, starting from 1998. Yeah. So basically, there's an entire generation, people who are our age, since they're four or five, six years old, they, Grown up this entire time with the Pate Mannings, the Tom Brady's, the Drew Breeses, Ben Roethlisberger's, guys who are like in the NFL, they're all gone now, with the exception of Aaron Rodgers. They're all retired. It actually and I- it, sorry, it was one funny thing that talk listen to the Bill Burr podcast on his past Thursday episode talking about Tom Brady, and Bill Burr's a huge Patriots fan. He makes no bones about that. But he was talking about. He made a really interesting point. He goes, "Don't not so much about the core quarterbacks that played during this time. Think of the guys who had careers within Tom Brady's career. And I'm not talking just flameouts. I'm not talking like you know your Colin Kaepernick's or your Marcus Mariota's legit starting quarterbacks. Your Donovan McNabb's, your Michael Vick's, Eli Manning."
1: Peyton Manning, for God's sakes.
0: (laughs) I mean, and I just mentioned a few guys here. Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger. These guys all started their career after Brady, and they all retired before him.
1: And it's funny because it really does feel like an, an era of football has ended and a torch is being passed. And we saw it twice this year now with the passing of a household name in John Madden. Like we said it when we talked about John Madden, that there's really only two guys who have really transcended the sport of football. And it's John Madden and Tom Brady.
0: And for myself, when I think of Tom Brady, so many things come to mind, especially as a football fan. You can think about all the comebacks, obviously, the Super Bowl wins he has. But you know what? I think one of the big things that a lot of people hated tom brady for this reason is that tom brady always had calls going for him the main one the tuck rule yeah nfl timeline or sorry nfl films great they're amazing by the way gotta give a shout to them they did they have a show called the timeline and they would go through let's see where they go through obviously the greatest show on turf they went through the tuck rule and to this day i was watching that this morning and you know To this day, I still maintain that that should have been a fumble. Because if you watch it, Brady pumps and he gets hit. Yeah, He doesn't throw it. He He pumps and then he gets hit and the ball comes loose. It's over. But even the Raiders on the sideline are going, I think we're about to get screwed. Because there's no way the referees look at this for so long and think this is going for us.
1: Right. No. You always get that pit in your stomach, though, when – the refs take a long look at something, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: and honestly, I think it's something that really carried through Tom Brady's career is that the refs always sided with Tom. The talk rule is a big one, but that doesn't mean he was not immune to scandal and controversy during his career. Yeah. The gate, Spy Gate. I'm sure if he was in the NHL, Ubergate, you know, if we're being honest... But two things that really stick out for me as somebody who watched Tom Brady in his career, the number one thing that really comes to mind, the 2007 Patriots, or as they're dubbed, 18 and one.
1: Yeah. And I remember watching that game and there was something very, very funny at the time of Eli Manning just stopping what seemed like a historic season. And being a bit older, well, I think I was 17 when that game happened. 16 or 17 when that game happened, if I remember correctly.
0: Uh, that happened in 2008,
1: I think. Eight. Yeah, yeah, so I would have been 15. 15, 16. Yeah, we would have been 15. I remember watching that and just laughing at it. And now it's like thinking about it. It's like, you know what? Maybe it would have been cool to have another perfect season in the NH, sorry, in the NFL record books.
0: It is true, but you know what? I think that's one of those moments that if there was one guy Tom Brady was never able to beat, of all people, it was Eli. He was able to beat Peyton, but he was not able to beat Eli.
1: Yeah, and that's just one of those really weird things, too. Because, like, other than that, Eli, Eli Manning was a very good quarterback, but I don't think he was an elite quarterback by any means.
0: I'm going to go ahead and say it right now. I think of the last 25 years, Eli Manning is probably the single most overrated quarterback there ever has been.
1: You know what? I'll agree with that. Like I think Peyton Manning deserves the praise that he gets. I think Eli Manning is good. I don't think he's elite,
0: but I think the reason why that everybody seems to pump up Eli is because he's the one who talked down Brady. Yep. He is. Think of it. If you watch any of his games, for the first, he was he were kind of had a bit of a Tebow thing to him. Yeah. First three quarters, he was absolute dog shit. And then the fourth quarter, he just derped his way to a fucking Super Bowl or derped his way to a win. And uh, as you can tell, I am not an Eli Manning fan. No. I love Peyton. I love Peyton Manning. Like, even in post career, Peyton Manning's hilarious. If you watch him on, say, Saturday Night Live or some of the bits he's done, it's amazing. Yeah, Eli, just one of the single most overrated quarterback there ever has been.
1: Yeah, for sure. Although, you know, if there was going to be a guy who could kind of just fumble his way to an elite reputation, I kind of wish it was Tim Tebow. The summer of Tebow was very, very fun. Oh, yes, it was. Yes,
0: it was. But you know what's funny? It's because of Peyton. That's why the Tebow train stopped. Because remember when Peyton got bought out by the Colts, he goes to the Broncos and wins a Super Bowl.
1: <laughs> yep. And then all of a sudden, uh, Tebow is off the field and nobody wants it. <laughs> and then he goes to baseball.
0: Yeah, but then he came back to the NFL this year. I
1: thought that Jacksonville so released him.
0: One play. Oh. He just kind of like... Uh, just kind of threw an awkward shoulder into somebody trying to block. It was, <laughs> sad. It was sad. But you know, even though we can talk about 18-1, and one, all the years later, 28-3 to three happened. I don't think in the history of the NFL, especially in the Super Bowl, we're going to see a comeback like that. Because I remember watching that game thinking, holy shit, Atlanta is really going to win this. And when you were up 28 to three and the Patriots didn't look amazing at all. And then Tom Brady's
1: like, "Huh, lol. Well, I think the thing that I remember most about that game is I, I don't even remember who Atlanta's quarterback was that game, but he did this. Yeah. He tried and failed this nifty trick play in the second and in the third, Tom Brady replicates the play on the goal line, runs it in for the touchdown. It was essentially, he passed it to himself. It was sick. And like, that was the moment you knew the comeback was happening. Because Tom Brady willed a Super Bowl ring.
0: It is true. And you know what? Like, to be honest, man, we could sit here and talk about Tom Brady and his entire
1: career, entire day. I Wait, think... no, one more question. One more question. One more. What do I put on my Super Bowl cake? Because last year I had the Tom Brady goat cake. Okay.
0: You had the Brady goat cake. So. It's a Dairy Queen ice cream cake. Okay. So what do we put on there? Maybe the listeners can help. Maybe. Honestly, I think there's some interesting names because you can do uh, about something about the Rams or Joe Burrow.
1: Joe Burrow. Yeah. Cause I think we're going to be a, we're going to be at Bengals' house because the Bengals going from haven't been in a Super Bowl in 3 decades to Super Bowl champions is too funny of a story to ignore.
0: Oh, totally. I am totally going for the for the Bengals just because the way I look at it Tim, unless the Seahawks are in the Super Bowl, I feel like nobody in the NFC West should be in the Super Bowl. That's
1: fair. Um,
0: two things I do want to mention though. The Super Bowl wins Tom Brady had. Think of some of the teams that he took down the greatest show on turf. He took down Donovan and Tio. He took down the Legion of Boom and the Seahawks. 28 to three. 28 to three. He then gets his second ring against the Rams. And then he beat Patrick Mahomes.
1: Yeah. Like there's only one of those games that I would say was an easy game. And it was that Rams game because It was just such a nothing game. It it was.
0: I was going to say maybe Carolina. I think when he won his second Super Bowl, that was probably a pretty easy one because honestly, the Panthers, who weren't a bad team, but they were just kind of a who do you really remember from those Panthers teams?
1: But it's like, yeah, you're right. Like some of those Super Bowls are probably all time Super Bowls. Like the last three plays of the Seahawks Patriots Super Bowl. People are still discussing if they should have thrown or run.
0: And I think this is how I'm going to finish this off because as a Seahawks fan, I still remember that day watching that game because I was going into this thinking, I don't think I was completely sure we were going to beat Brady. We beat him in the regular season, the season or two prior, but this is the Super Bowl. Tom Brady.
1: Lives for the he Super had
0: Bowl. Had three rings. He came in with three rings at this point, and we're like, "Holy shit! Like, are we gonna beat him?" And I remember Seattle went up. I think we went up by the fuck did we go by a touchdown or eight points or whatever. And I was at a house party, and everyone's like, "Yeah, this is awesome." And I sat there going, "Oh fuck, the Patriots are gonna win this." As soon as I said that, and she was, "What do you?" My mom's like, "What do you mean?" I says, "Look at the time. Look who's got the ball." Tom Brady came out as soon as he started throwing the ball. I'm thinking you knew. Fuck. No, come on. This is not happening. But when they got to that final moment and to this day, I will maintain Seattle made the right move throwing it. Because if you go back to watch that game, Marshawn Lynch got stopped in the red zone four times. Yeah. He got stopped within 10 yards the best red zone offense at that the last couple of years, the main guy who is a catalyst for this, the Patriots stopped him. But even the play prior where I believe it was golden Tate was it curse. was, Kirst, I think it was Jermaine curse. Wilson threw the ball to him. He caught it. It bungled up in the air. He looked up and he caught it as soon as he landed.
1: Yeah. And it was a weird catch, too, because I remember it kind of bounced off his crotch and into his hands. Yep. And actually, it's really funny because uh, you were at a house party. Mm -hmm. I was at my buddy in Ottawa worked at the old Future Shop. Mm -hmm. And this is when all the Future Shops are kind of closed down as they were uh, rebranding to Best Buy's. We're watching it in like they took all the car stereos and audio equipment and hooked it up to the biggest TV they had on the floor display they were playing the Super Bowl and Super Smash Bros.
0: Nice in this
1: clo- like this closed down uh, Future Shop and like I, I had a I guess a, a cold was coming on because like I just felt my head like <clears throat> but I was like no I'm watching this shit this is insane yep. and that was a hell of a game
0: it was I think just for myself, just the way that ended, though. You want to talk about having my heart ripped out of my chest at that moment? Because as soon as we threw it, I thought we caught it. Yeah. I jumped near. I thought we won. I thought, I thought we had it. And they go, intercepted. I was like, no. And I dropped. I couldn't believe they caught it. That the Patriots
1: intercepted. It was incredible football to, Like out of all of the Super Bowls I've watched, I think that I think that was probably the best Super Bowl of the 2010s. Yeah,
0: that was one of the best ones anyway. Yeah, because the one prior was such a dog shit Super Bowl, even though Seattle won. Even as a Seahawks fan, I will admit that game was shit. Well, the Denver Broncos didn't show up. The ball went right over Peyton Manning and that giant forehead of his. <laughs> yeah, so it's like,
1: I'm trying to think of like other really actually the one where Philly Philly beat Tom Brady. Yeah, that was pretty that was a good Super Bowl. That was.
0: So Tom, as much as I was not a fan of yours at all throughout your career, I tip my hat to you. Enjoy retirement. And absolutely in about five, I don't even know what the I think it's five years, four or five years, I think, in between the NFL retirement and we can get into canon, but you know, he's going to be getting in there. He's totally, I was even going to say, I'm surprised nobody has mentioned whether they waive that for him. They waived the mandatory waiting period.
1: You know what? If I was Brady, I'd almost just wait it out. Decide what you want to do with your after football life. And then use that as an opportunity to showcase what you've done since then.
0: Well, Tom's already doing that, right? He's already yeah, started yeah. his career. You see what he does on social media; like he's really funny and he's actually really good at it. So, I wouldn't be surprised if him and Peyton Manning, you know, that's the way that they're going to go for the rest of their postseason career or post career. Yeah.
1: Well, we're also getting the Tom Brady crypto ad, yeah. which means I'm selling out of my crypto before the ad drops.
0: So, Tim. We got to talk about next week's cover athlete poll because next week's episode is season five, episode 18 in chronological order, episode 113. Now, we got three names on the board. We've got Peter Regan, Nick Paul, and Zach Sanford.
1: I always forget that Nick Paul wore number 13 for a bit.
0: That was always his number.
1: Well, he's 21 now.
0: Yeah, he's this year, but he was 13 yeah. for the entire way. I always forget that. Yeah. But we also can't forget to mention, Tim, that we have a special guest for next week's episode as Miss Alicia Scadeller, or it's a Skodeller. I think it's yeah. we will be joining us for our episode as our first half recap. Oh, that's gonna be fun. That is gonna be really fun, Matt. That is gonna be really fun. Now it's also gonna be really fun, Tim, is me asking how was your week?
1: I was really good. So I think a couple episodes ago, I mentioned that I was buying up a bunch of classic Pokemon cards to build what was known as a cube, which is a format you can make fake packs out draft out of and then build decks. We yeah. finally got enough of the cards that we can actually play the damn thing. Okay. Yeah. So we tried it out on Saturday night and it's a lot of fun. I had four people over and then Chelsea and I uh, tested it out. And I think most people got a, managed to draft and play a deck that was at least fun. Mhm. So uh we'll give it another another few tests before we say that it's uh the rules and the card mix is a good mix. First impressions are good. The second thing that happened is I bought a drill.
0: Ooh, okay. Okay, do tell, do tell.
1: Yeah, so uh just before Christmas the blinds at our front window fell down. Okay. Can I tell you something cuz yeah,
0: yeah. something very similar happened to me. A couple days ago, so you know, in my bathroom downstairs, I have that sort of wall thing that has like all the hooks and crap on it, like over the toilet. Yep. I just happened to put my towel on it the other day when I was taking a shower. The whole thing broke off the wall, and it's not like a it fell. It was like the one end snapped and swung. So it swung, mirror drops, everything falls down. Mm. I'm thinking, ah, oh,
1: why? Yeah, because what happened was uh Chelsea was trying to adjust the blinds so that her plants get the right amount of light and she just pulled on it, pulled on the drawstring for the blinds as normal. And I guess the housing, the metal housing holding the bra- sorry, the metal bracket holding the blinds on in place popped, broke and popped open and they just came out. Oh. And I was like, you know what? I don't even I don't like blinds. They're a pain in the ass. So I decided to replace it with a curtain rod. And I installed, a, I installed the brackets for the curtain rod manually. And I was like, never again. Because have you ever tried putting a screw manually into a freaking wall? Mm-hmm. It's a lot of effort for people who haven't tried.
0: It's a lot of effort. Even if, as like Chelsea's looking behind you, like, really, dude? But yeah, no, I totally get it. And uh, that's not really good now that like you got to drill... I got to ask, though, so what kind of drill did you get? Did you get a Makita? Did you get a... We got a DeWalt. A DeWalt? Okay.
1: Yeah, so they they had a really nice compact drill for $150. So it can get into pretty small places pretty easily.
0: Okay. Now, did you pick this up at Canadian Tire? Or did you pick it uh, up... We got it at Lowe's. Oh, you guys have
1: Lowe's out in Alberta? Yeah, all the Ronas became Lowe's. Oh. I didn't even know that. Yeah, so the Lowe's is the closest one to our house. We we're going to go to Home Depot and maybe look for a and was looking for a bigger unit I probably would have gone with a Makita Uh, Chelsea's mother was was like what Lowe's doesn't have Makita I'm disappointed (laughs) because like in Japan yeah everyone has a Makita because it's just a very good brand initially I was like oh maybe I don't need anything that much maybe I'll just get a black and decker but Chelsea's like no you don't want to go cheap on this sort of thing like yeah you're right
0: yeah always listen to Chelsea there Tim
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) Because I was thinking, it's like, I'm not going to be doing that much around the house that needs a drill.
0: True, but I mean, it's really handy if you kind of need that, right? Yeah. yeah.
1: So we just got a small one, and it was nice because the DeWalt one came with two batteries and a nice bag. And its charger looks really robust. Mm -hmm. And, like, the DeWalt bits are pretty nice, too. And they come in, like, this nice little carrying case. So, yeah, I'm happy with it.
0: I'll really love it if somebody listens to this bit and be like, why didn't you guys buy Makita? Why'd you buy whatever DeWalt? He- DeWalt, thank you. God, such a fucking hazy brain right now, man.
1: Uh, because I bought American and didn't want to, and I'm not doing enough to splurge on Milwaukee, because Milwaukee makes nice tools. hmm Yes,
0: they do. Yeah, well, I know even this past summer when I was doing some of the, what the fuck was I doing? Yeah, I was helping re repurpose, sorry, that's the key word I want to use here, repurpose the old health center into like administrative offices or whatever. Right? Okay. Yeah, they had some Milwaukee stuff and that's actually pretty good.
1: Yeah, like Milwaukee from what I've been reading is like the brand that most contractors and construction professionals will use for small handheld tools because it's just good shit.
0: Right on, man. Right on. So I'll talk a little bit about my week. Now, one of the things I didn't mention on last week's episode was that, so Katrina and I were in Victoria. We went to aunt that lives in Souk. And I've never been that far into Souk where the roads are all windy and shit. So I'm sitting in the car going, I don't feel very good.
1: Oh, no, you got car sick.
0: (laughs) I didn't. I literally got out of the car and almost fucking passed out at her front door
1: but yeah soup gets fucking deep eh
0: oh yes yes but one of the things was that on our way back we went to see my cousin who lives in langford and so i had to get a lanyard for my keys because i had a seahawks one that broke yeah and i bought a sens one the sports memorabilia store had a sens one that had like the 2d logo on it really really nice nice and so we decided to go to canadian Tire. Because we had some time to kill and it was right there. I think I've mentioned on the podcast about the KFC fire log.
1: I hate that thing.
0: I wanted to look for one so bad. I was looking for one and I realized the store didn't have any. It's like, (laughs) ah. That was really fun, really good. But one thing I did get a chance to watch this week, Tim, is on Disney Plus, they have a show called Pam and Tommy. So this show is based on the on the story behind the Pamela Anderson, Tommy Lee sex tape, when it got stolen, that whole thing that happened where they had a big lawsuit about it, whatever. And I was thinking, okay, I saw the ads and I was like, okay, maybe, maybe I'll watch it. I don't know. It didn't really seem like it was going to be that great. Other yeah. than the fact that the actress who they cast as Pamela Anderson, I could not believe how absolutely spot on
1: she was. Really? Like mannerisms and all?
0: Mannerisms. If you just look at her, you're thinking, "Holy shit, they nailed this!" <laughs> not only that, the dude they got as Tommy Lee, even his mannerisms, absolutely spot on, like and, accurate grease amount. Yep, and he doesn't that, and he has such an asshole fucking thing about him, which I'm sure Tommy Lee is like that in real life. But the show has about three episodes on Disney Plus, And I was actually really invested. I couldn't believe how actually pretty good it was. I was like,
1: holy shit, this is actually not that bad. Well, it's like, I guess the weird thing is, is like, I never really got that into celebrity culture. Even I do about the Pamela Anderson tape. Yeah. I wonder if it was just because it was like splattered everywhere on the early internet. Like you yeah. couldn't throw a rock and not see it.
0: Well, between that and just the tapes that came after it from the Paris to the Kardashians and all that shit, it was kind of a groundbreaking thing. And it really was like the first big thing the internet had for that kind of genre. But I do have to say a couple of things that really got him really mentioned is I was amazed how graphic that sh- this show really is for a show that's on Disney+. Plus. Wait.
1: Did they use the tape?
0: They didn't use the tape. They recreated it. What? They actually, like not the actual sex parts, obviously that would just be wrong, but there's actually, I think in the second episode is when they show how Tommy and Pam got together. Oh, The scenes that they have in this episode, I'm watching this and I'm just
1: like, this is on Disney Plus? Shouldn't this be on like, Pornhub or something like Jesus. I was like
0: holy shit dude like it, it was it was I was just like wow I just I I'm, I shouldn't be that shocked because like if you're going to do a show about Pamela Anderson, Tommy and Tommy Lee date, you gotta go all the way you can't just be like Motley Crue's movie The Dirt where you tell and don't show and I think that was one of the big things for me about The Dirt was just it was good but not great And that that was honestly, The Dirt should have, I said it right from the beginning, it should have been a Netflix series. Yeah. Or HBO. They could have gone so into depth about the stories and they sort of just kind of, they obviously picked and choose a lot of what they said and what they did from The Dirt. But honestly, I really, really liked the first three episodes. I want to see the fourth. I want to see where they go with this now. Because, and it's not just like the people who they got as Pam and Tommy, but like the other two main characters. Who's casted by Seth Rogen and Nick Offerman.
1: Oh, Seth Rogen's back to like edgy comedy sort of documentary stuff. And he's the straight man in this. He's not the funny guy. Interesting.
0: He has a picture. I sent this to Adam. He's kind of got the jean short, like the jorts. And like a buttoned up that looks like a fucking uh, umbrella. Like a multicolored umbrella. And he's got a mullet. I said he looks like if The Undertaker from 1990 didn't go into wrestling. <laughs> I'm going to show, I'm going to send you a screenshot of him in this show because it is
1: hilarious. And, but the funny thing is he's actually not that bad at it. No, like the thing is, is like Seth Rogen is a, he is a good actor. Like I, like the big thing that I was kind of not sold on is it seemed like he was kind of walking away from like his kind of edgier side. Because mm. like, the stuff that he was famous for like Zach and Miri make a porno or uh, the interview it's, it's edgy comedy. And then like, he tried to sanitize himself and it just didn't hit. So it's good to see that he's willing to go back to kind of that edgier style of stuff, like get back to his wheelhouse.
0: For sure. The only big, one of the weird nitpicks I have about the first three episodes it's not so much a nitpick. I I really like the music, number one. They had some really good music choices. But the only real nitpick I have comes in the second episode where this is before Tommy met Pam in Mexico. Was Pam was at this dinner with all of these TV producer people, whatever. Yeah. And the one guy's talking about he says, Oh, I hear you're from Canada. She goes, Yeah, I'm from Ladysmith. Where's that? She goes, It's just outside of just outside of Vancouver. And I'm like no but yes lady smith is not just outside of vancouver it's on a fucking island next to it i mean
1: geography like okay i geographically speaking it's just outside of vancouver and how many people know where vancouver is vis-a-vis victoria or nanaimo
0: yeah i get that and i think i had to remind myself that because it's like you do realize like not everybody
1: knows that tay it'd be like saying like Trying to think of an ex- if there's an equally extreme example I can use. Well, I guess people call like Muskoka, cottage country just outside of Toronto, and that's actually pretty damn far. And yeah. Manitoulin Island is well, an island. Yeah. So I'm trying to think if there's an equally extreme example. I'm. Yeah, I'm not coming up with any good ones. But yeah, I think it's just. Vancouver Island is just very cool. It is like an hour, an hour ferry ride plus 20 minute drive. Yeah. From Vancouver. So yeah, I'd still say that's like, I could do a day trip from Vancouver to Lady Smith and not think it weird. That's true.
0: So I'm just sending you a photo right now of the people that they cast as Tam and Tommy. They're the ones on the right. Like, look at the, look at this photo. And you try and tell me that that wasn't pretty spot on.
1: Sometimes I wish we did a video podcast, but yeah, no, they did. They did a good job. And Tommy Lee is just greasy though. Holy.
0: Uh, It is greasy, Tim, but you know, what's also greasy. It's a segue into this little segment. I like to call top of the hour. I have to wonder how many people are going to listen to this first part before top of the hour and just be like, these guys are just rambling on about nothingness.
1: I mean, yes, sometimes we do that.
0: Yeah, but I mean, it wouldn't be a staple of third line plug if we don't do it, right?
1: Fair enough, fair enough.
0: So we got to give a quick shout out to Florida Panthers forward Anton Lundell, who set a new franchise record for most points by rookie in a calendar month with 16 Lundell drafted 12th overall with the Florida Panthers in 2020 past the previous record holder, Jesse Belanger, who held the record of 15 in both December of 1993 and January of 1994. Now, you know, what's funny with Jesse Belanger, Tim yeah. is that um, I remember back in the day, some of our listeners might remember this. So Kraft Dinner used to do hockey cards in the back of the box. Yep. Jesse Boulanger was one of them. He's probably one of the most obscure people. If you look at those old cards,
1: if you look at them now, you're like, who is this person? But he would have been pretty, like, given the context that he was like this really high powered rookie, you'd, you'd be excited to open up your backs, KD, and see, his face, can back at you.
0: No, no, like the actual card was on the actual back of the box. Oh, it
1: was on the back. I thought it was turned in. The actual in.
0: back of the box was the card.
1: Okay, I thought it was like turned in.
0: No, no, As no. As you no. can
1: tell, I did not eat a lot of crap dinner.
0: No, but I remember, like, my mom bought me those all the time because honestly, it's like, ooh, hockey, buy it. Because yeah. I remember that's some really good ones. They had, who do they have? Alexander McGillney. I remember that with the Canucks. Martin Brodeur, they had Fedorov, Sakic, Forsberg. Iserman, my dad still has the Iserman one in the workshop. Alexei Yashin, Alexander deck who, by the way, I didn't realize, I think it's his birthday today. So Nice. So, Tim, even though we had to talk about Anton Lundell, and this is a really, really cool story. It's just delaying the inevitable, and we mentioned this last week about Reed Boucher. Yep. For Vancouver Connects draft pick, Reed Boucher has been sentenced to four years of probation with two years of jail time suspended if he successfully completes his probation. Boucher pled to third-degree criminal sexual conduct after originally being charged with first-degree criminal sexual conduct after sexually assaulting his 12-year-old Billet sister in 2011.
1: What is it with Vancouver and just finding these guys? This is, this is odd.
0: It is. But the fact is, and I, sh- I can't say that I'm honestly that surprised, given that, you know, we talked about the Kyle Beach stuff and we talked about some of the other assaults in the NHL. I'm not surprised that this didn't come to light until
1: almost a decade later. Well, what's kind of incredible, though, is, remember, this went through the entire criminal justice system. And it didn't get picked up by hockey media. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the big thing here. Because when was this guy drafted?
0: Uh, When was he drafted? I want to say he was drafted after Vertanen.
1: After Vertanen, okay.
0: Either, no. Was it after Vertanen? I think it might have been before Vertanen. Jesus. Might have been before Vertanen.
1: Yeah, so it's like, so the assault happened when he was still with the Billet family. One second, it's Kyle. Sorry, it's uh, Reed Boucher. Got Brandon Reed. Oh, whatever. But yeah, no, that's that's scummy.
0: It is really scummy, Tim. But you know what's also really scummy, Tim, is the Chicago Blackhawks and their owner, Rocky Wertz. Because Rocky Wurtz appeared at a team open town hall meeting when he went off on Mark Lazarus from The Athletic when asked about the 2010 Blackhawks sexual assault scandal and what the team has done to make sure further incidents will be avoided. Wurtz later issued an apology regarding his outburst. So one of my good buddies, Trey, used to be a Chicago Blackhawks fan. Yeah. He has officially given up. He is now becoming a Minnesota Wild fan. Why he would want to cheer for a team in that division, I don't know. That's what I said to him. But I got this text <laughs> about. So I got a text here, and this is what he said. He says, "I'm fucking done with the Hawks. It's sad and disappointing. Not like on ice, but the off ice stuff. Really sad, man. Like all that shit that has really gone on. It's really upsetting. Honestly, like stick by your team, but that makes hard to do when there is rape and cover ups and freakouts."
1: Yeah. And that, what's the worst part about that is had, had he just not said anything, the GM and the PR person were about to give a measured answer that would have at least acknowledged what happened. And then yeah, Rocky works just blows a gasket.
0: Yeah. It's really amazing how in literally one year, the Blackhawks went from an organization that was praised as one of the best dynasties of the last decade to an absolute disgrace in one year.
1: That's what happens when you do what the Blackhawks did being so obvious about a cover-up. It's funny
0: because the Blackhawks went from a team that was hated by a lot of people because of their success to now being hated for everything they're doing off the ice like i can't really even think of a team that that turnaround has happened to
1: uh, I, I can think of the reverse for the toronto maple leafs where you went from the ballard years to fuck the leafs cuz the ballard years with the cover up of the of the ushers at maple leaf gardens is probably the closest analog i can think of but the difference being is that unlike with the ushers where it really was just Ballard and his guys covering up the story you had in the Blackhawks case, you had people recommending the predator to other organizations that have more kids around. Like that's really the worst part about this is not, not only did they cover up for this guy, they enabled him to commit worse assaults.
0: Yeah. And there was another story that came up with the Blackhawks. I think they fired their, equipment manager or one of their guys down in rockford for the same shit
1: yeah they're gonna need to aggressively clean that house and who knows if they have the willingness to do it
0: True sure, man so you know as much as i hated talking about the chicago blackhawks and all of their off-ice drama well, another thing i hate talking about is COVID. Now, thankfully, we've only got one COVID story to talk about this week. The NHL and NHLPA announced updates to their COVID-19 protocol. Updates include recommendations to receive boosters as they become available and removal of the requirement to test daily for fully vaccinated individuals.
1: It was coming. Like every other sports league in the US does it. A lot of even provincial healthcare systems are moving that way. And uh, you're now seeing that in Auburn and Saskatchewan, they're going to be lifting restrictions probably by the end of the month. So the NHL is just going to, they're just catching up with uh, everyone else at this point.
0: The NHL and NHLPA have started early planning stages for a world cup of hockey tournament in 2024. The previous world cup tournament was held in 2016. That's all right. I I'm I'm cool with the, But the return of the World Cup of Hockey, to be perfectly honest, because I remember in 16, really, really good hockey. But you also saw the first glimpses everybody saw of, like, the next generation, next wave of big-name players coming in the NHL, like the Austin Matthews, like the Connor McDavids. Because I think for a lot of people, people – like, hockey fans knew how good Connor McDavid was. But to get him on a national and, I would say, international stage – is amazing yeah
1: and what's incredible is this will be the first time since that world cup of hockey that we've had an international nhl tournament sorry an international tournament with nhl players and that's the big deal here because we had the issue in 2018 where there's just no way that they were going to pyeongchang and then in 2022 just all the cards turned up the wrong way for participation in beijing picking
0: the Anaheim Ducks have named Pat Verbeek the franchise's sixth general manager. Verbeek previously served as assistant general manager with the Detroit Red Wings, as well as GM of the American Hockey League's Grand Rapids Griffins.
1: They're doing good work in Detroit so far. They're making the moves that will help a team transition from rebuild to next step, especially with the pickup of Nedeljkovic.
0: For sure. And Patty Verbeek's a really good hire, given that he has been Stevie Y's right-hand man right from the day he left for Tampa Bay all those years ago. I think for myself is, and going back to talk about the New England Patriots, you see this where a lot of the Bill Belichick assistants go on to become head coaches elsewhere and they flame out. Yeah, And I think Patty Verbeek could be another one of these cases where just because Stevie Y was at the helm, it doesn't mean that you're going to become Stevie
1: Y. True. Although we do have to give a lot of credit to Breeze Bois down in Tampa. Yes, we he do. has kept that ball rolling. So who knows? Maybe maybe Steve Eiserman is a good teacher as well.
0: Yeah, you never know, right? You never know. Now, with Patty Verbeek being named Ducks general manager, the Detroit Wings have promoted Sean Horkoff to be their new assistant general manager and GM of the Grand Rapids Griffins. Horkoff has been with the Wings as their director of player development since twenty.
1: 20- Sixteen. That is a name I have not heard in a very long time.
0: To be perfectly honest, I forgot he retired.
1: Wait, you thought he was just still kind of floating around?
0: Yeah, I kind of thought. I kind of thought he was just kind of like
1: Cogliano, where he just kind of was. it Cogliano like twenty-one or twenty-two during the their Stanley Cup run, while Horcroft was a bit older.
0: I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Horcroft, I think, was in his mid-twenties by that point. But
1: yeah. That season, Cogliato was – I want to say he was only, like, 20-something.
0: Yeah. I don't know. That's just weird, man. Sean Harkoff, for whatever reason, I thought he was still playing somewhere. And I was like, oh, shit. He's been retired for, like, seven years now.
1: <laughs> How the time flies, eh?
0: I know. Well, look at all the players now coming, in. Like, Nathan McKinnon's almost in his 10th season. Yeah, Cogliato yeah. would have been nineteen. Connor McDavid's already in his
1: 7th or 8th season. Yeah, no kidding. Yo, remember when the Ottawa Senators almost landed Cogliato Speed and... Oh, who was the last player? Penner. Penner. Yeah. Remember I... Pancakes? Yeah. Hey,
0: I was going to say, going back to a really old school Third Line Plug episode, remember our Sends What If episode? Right. We, we did talk, do
1: what-if if, if that trade went through. Them. We
0: talked about the Danny Healy-Edmonton trade.
1: Yeah. I don't know. It's tough because Mila McCulloch was really good for the Senators.
0: Yeah, he was. He really was. So we got a couple of signings we got to talk about. The Minnesota Wild have re-signed Ford Jordan Greenway to a three-year, $9 million contract with an AAV of three. Greenway drafted 50th overall by the Minnesota Wild in 2015, had recorded four goals, 9 assists, or 13 points in 33 games at the time of the story. How much to say? Yeah. The only thing I can really say, Tim, is that the next story isn't actually a signing, but we do have two trades to talk about to close out top of the hour. Dallas Stars have traded forward Ty Harvey to the D- Tampa Bay Lightning for forward Alexei Lipinoff. Harbour. Recorded two goals and 14 games for the American Hockey League's Texas Stars, while Limanoff recorded one assist and eight games for the East Coast Hockey League's Orlando Solar Bears.
1: It's a minor league swap.
0: As the next trade, and to close the top of the hour, the National Predators have traded for Jimmy Huntington to the Tampa Bay Lightning for forward Anthony Richard. Huntington recorded six goals, six assists for 12 points, and 27 games for the American Hockey League's Syracuse Crunch. Well, Richard recorded seven goals, five, go- five assists for 12 points and 31 against for the American Hockey League's Milwaukee
1: Admirals. I mean, the trade deadline's coming up in... What is the trade deadline this year? I want to say March.
0: Yeah, I think it's like the first week of March, second week of March.
1: Yeah, so who knows? Maybe things will start to heat up a bit in a few weeks.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Well, Tim, that wraps up Top of the Air for this week, which we made only one thing. So I'm t- talking about some games. Now, we only got two games to talk about. We've got the Oilers versus the Senators and the Senators versus the Lightning. Or sorry, Senators versus the Islanders. But before we do that, let's hit the music. It's time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> okay, Tim. Let's start talking about the Oilers versus the Senators. This is a three to two Senators overtime victory. Oilers goals scored, scored by Connor McDavid and Darnell Nurse. Senators goals scored by Hot Sam Bacho! Nick Paul, and Tim's. <laughs> <laughs> Shot for 39-31 for Edmonton. Thomas Chabot opens the scoring to make it one of these editors on a shot that goes up and over the goaltender. Connor McDavid gets Edmonton on the board, snapping one through Murray's five-hole to tie the game at one. Nick Paul cleans up the Brownstrom rebound to make it 2-1 Ottawa. Darnell Nose scores on the wide open net to tie the game at two. And Tim Stutzla snipes one top shot to make it 3-2 Ottawa, which would be the final. So I had to condense watch this game
1: again, because we were recording last week's episode. Let's talk about Tim Stutzla, Tim. Let's start with the Shabbat goal, because everybody, from the camera angle, everybody thought that was Stutzla's goal. So the setup of this goal is that Stutzla and Kachuk do some fantastic work behind the net, get the puck back to Shabbat, and Stutzla is making an absolute mess in front of Mika Koskinen. Shabbat shoots the puck, it hits off the crossbar, and then it pops up. And Stutzle looks like he's about to bat it out the air, then realizes, wait, it's still above the crossbar. If I touch it now, it's no goal. And he lets it drop and it bounces into the neck. Like he was not directly involved in that goal, didn't get credit, even though people thought he touched it as it was coming down. But what, what patience for Tim Stutzla after just fantastic play in Edmonton's end.
0: For sure. But the thing is, even when I was watching that, Tim, I didn't think at all that Stutzler got it. I I knew Shabbat scored.
1: Yeah, yeah, but Stutzler just he enabled that goal. He did. And then the dude gets pissed up, And he admits this after the game. He was mad that he wasn't getting the goal that game because, damn, he was trying. He drops the gloves. And you know what's funny? I have this in my notes. The OT
0: winner and a fight. But the thing is, Tim Stetson really became the talk of the hockey world after this game. Not only for the OT goal, but the fact that he dropped the gloves. And I gotta give kudos to Alex for playing Duhas by Rammstein after he won the fight. I mean,
1: wouldn't you? And the other thing is, is the Stutzla line, other than Dreisaitl's goal ate them for lunch like that wasn't even close so it's like even though edmonton had the, the edge in shots by 10 the expected goals were basically even i would even to argue that ottawa got the better overall chances because and it's funny because as much as mike gold is an edmonton sorry he's from calgary he has to have a negative opinion of mcdavid the mcdavid goal was yeah, he just skates through a bunch of guys real fast, shoots at next scores. Yeah, Like, now, that's it. It's not cool.
0: It's true. And actually, I want to talk about Matt and Murray,
1: just because on that goal itself.
0: Now, he had 37 saves, a .94 nice 90 save percentage. Initially, when I was watching this, it looked like he scored a soft goal. Yeah. But I cannot blame Matt Murray at all on the Darnell's goal because the Oilers pulled him completely out of position because he thought – They He was committing with this guy. They pulled it back, and he left the net wide open.
1: Yeah, and that was a really tough play, like a really tough defensive play for, I believe it was uh, Lassie Thompson. So he got burned on that play pretty hard. And I think a lot of people just don't realize quite the speed that Darnell Nurse has to.
0: Yeah, he's a big guy, so I think a lot of people don't seem to
1: realize that, right? Yeah. But at the same time, Ottawa really bounced back after that. And... I thought they played a fantastic game otherwise.
0: Now, another guy who, judging from what I've seen on the condensed game, I thought looked good was Nick Paul with a goal and five shots. And again, it's always nice to see Nick Paul
1: get on the board, Tim. Yep. Especially because that's five more dollars to charity from me, 150 bucks from Nick Paul. Honestly, great time had by all. And do you want to talk about the Stutzla goal?
0: Yes. Now, first, though, I do want to make a mention, though. Mark Kastelik, first NHL game. He took the rookie lap. I, I in recent years I really love seeing the rookie lap, just because that's your welcome to the NHL moment. It's such a cool thing to watch.
1: Yeah, he had a bit of a rough game, but that's that's gonna happen. Yeah, first NHL game. Uh, didn't re- record any expected goals, so his li- like the Bishop kastelik Sokolov line up. Had a bit of a rough night. Their main assignment was the bottom line Edmonton, but they also saw a bit of dry sidle. It was a tough night. Sure.
0: Now let's talk about the Stutzla overtime goal, Tim, because that goal.
1: The goal scorer's goal.
0: is a, such a goal scorer's goal. And even in the in the previous episode, even that Tyler Ennis goal where he did like the reverse spinorama where he went, not backwards, but front to back. Really nice, but no, the Tim Stutzle goal that was a classic because honestly, that's a hard shot to get off, especially getting it over the goalie's
1: shoulder. Well, he made you it have look to be so. Easy. You have to be
0: that accurate. To get. Well, that he made
1: it so easy because, well, Shabbat does this fantastic rush, passes it to Stutzla. Stutzle doesn't like his chance, passes it off, gets it back, waits not one, two seconds, boom, beats Koskinen, clean. Like that is insanity. One final shout out is to the Paul Sanford Watson line. Besides, I believe they were on the ice for the McDavid goal. They were otherwise very good against the McDavid line, outmatching the McDavid, like outmatching and relatively containing Connor McDavid at five on five. Mm -hmm. The Ottawa Senators did a fantastic job.
0: It's true. Although, can we give that nickname the term Sanford and sons
1: Sanford and sons maybe
0: yeah
1: no Sanford, so it's like
0: is, is, I don't think Sanford is the oldest one out of the, the three I think Paul is
1: are we older than Nick Paul because if we're older than Nick Paul then Austin Watson is the oldest on that line
0: yes I think I think we are I think I think Watson's our age I think he's 20
1: yeah Watson will turn 30 of us here I still can't believe he was drafted first overall of the 2011 draft. Sorry, the 2010 draft. Who was? Sorry, not first of all, in the first round. Austin Watson was a first-round pick, eh?
0: Yeah. I don't know. But here we are, Tim. So what can we say? Let's move our attention to the second and final game of the evening. Sens versus Islanders. This is a 4-1 Islanders victory. Nick Holden got the lone Sens goal. Islanders goals were scored by Anthony Bolivier, Oliver Wallstrom, Matthew Barzell, and Adam Pecklick. Shots were 30 27 for the Islanders. Nick Holden opens the scoring to make it one nothing Ottawa on a shot that rolls in. Anthony Bouvier gets Ottawa, gets the Islanders on the board to tie the game at one on a scramble. Oliver Wallstrom scores to make it two one Islanders. Barcel scores to make a three one. And Adam Pelic scores to make it four one Islanders, which would be the final.
1: You could tell that the Ottawa Senators had played four games in three, sorry, three games in four nights.
0: Same. I mean, honestly, and again, I had to condense watches, not only because I was finishing up writing up the first half recap for next week's episode, but I finished writing up the next, the new Great White Experience episode with our buddy Andrew. And nice. It recorded. recorded. It hasn't been edited yet. It's going to be great when that hits. So make sure everybody's on the lookout for that. Now, another guy, a guy I want to talk about who had an absolute terrible game in this one. Anton Forsberg. 26 saves.
1: Yeah, and the Pelican Wallstrom goals weren't great. Like, that's the thing is I think the New York Islanders were the better team and deserved to win. And like, Bolivier should not have been allowed that close to the net on his goal. Mm -hmm. But man, Forsberg did not have a good outing. And this is, Forsberg's outing, Last few outings have been pretty rough.
0: He has. He has not been good at all. And it's honestly, it's one of those things where I'm just like, why are we still playing him? Like, is Goose still hurt?
1: Well, I think it's also good. I would rather just have a man backup and let Goose and Mandeliza get more reps in Binghamton, sorry, Binghamton, Belleville. Because, yeah, I'd rather than just get some playtime, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's fair. But honestly, Anton Forsberg has just not looked good. And he's just like, he's, he's very much a liability when he when he plays in, as a backup.
1: Yeah. And I'm guessing it was just, he w- he was on a hot streak and not so much anymore. Nope. If he can play like .90 hockey, then I'm fine with keeping him for the rest of the season and then letting him go at the end. Because th- this is the nice thing about having kind of the Forsberg run end early is that we don't end up with another hamburger or Condens situation.
0: So let's talk about Nick Holden, one goal and three shots, two words,
1: safety first, safety first. It's you like to see a guy like Nick Holden get rewarded, who has been pretty like good enough on the defensive end. And again, he's one of those veterans that you definitely want to keep around. I'm not sure. I think his playing days are starting to pass behind him. I think so. But at the same time, I think he's played enough high quality hockey that he's worth keeping around to show the young guys what to do and where.
0: It is true. But I think once those like JBDs, Thompsons, all those guys start fully developing, then yeah, he'll be out of a job in Ottawa. Now let's talk about another guy who looked really solid in this one with four shots, Adam Goddett.
1: Goddett is he's funny. Because I'm not sure if he's fully been good. But I think as far as the Ottawa Senators go, he's been the perfect waiver wire pickup. Like he's been able to get pitch in a bit extra on the offensive end. The senators are better offensively with him on the ice than they are off the ice. But he's a bit of a defensive liability. But you got him for free. And the fact that you can bring some offense out of him and there's something underlying it, if anything, he's been, his shooting has been a bit unlucky compared to what he's been able to generate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a smart pickup. And uh, he's one of the waiver wire guys that I wouldn't mind Ottawa keeping around. Yeah, him and... Tyler Ennis. Like, Him I, and Tyler I, is, yeah. I'm a, I'm an Ennis guy. And here's the other thing is at 25, he's entering into his prime. And uh, if he grades out as a pretty good fourth line winger that can give you some offense, I'm here for that. Yep.
0: No, I'm totally fine with it, man. So let's talk about the captain Brady to Chuck one assist and two shots. I got to say that hit he laid in the second period was so nice. But the thing that really kind of surprised me is that he didn't have to fight anybody. With, especially in the new NHL where you hit a guy and you have to fight. Mm-hmm. Which and I don't agree with.
1: I, I don't like that either. especially, And I especially don't like it when the the place kill keeps going and Buffalo scores a goal, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Yeah. So, yeah, I think the big thing that I like is seeing that a team can just accept, yeah, we're winning. The other team threw a big hit, whatever. We're going to keep playing our game. So kudos to the Islanders for staying disciplined. And it's really unfortunate for, sorry, it's one really unfortunate thing for the auto, not the Ottawa senders the New York Islanders is they just had that horrible injury run to start the year that put them at the bottom of the standings, because if they had just had a normal opening, they'd be, in the race for a playoff spot right now
0: yeah well between injuries and COVID, right yeah
1: because like they they they're five like five five oh in their last 10 Mm -hmm. and they had a pretty neat run before that as well so like they they clawed their way back to respectability but man that wild card is sewn up at this point
0: it's true man so I think I only have two comments to make on this game in general. Number one, this is the first Sens game that they've played at the new UPS Stadium or sorry, UPS Arena in Belmont Park. I believe is where the new stadium is. Yeah. It's not bad for Billy. But the other comment I want to make it doesn't really have to do anything with this game, but it has to do with the New York Islanders. As some people have known, there's a there's rumors floating around. The NHL bringing back the reverse retro for next season. Okay, there has been a rumor going around, not a big rumor, but a rumor. The one jersey the Islanders are bringing back for next season is the Fisherman. I want this to be a thing because the fisher did the Fisherman is such a different look. Oh God, can you imagine the Fisherman in the current Islanders colors? That'd be so good. But you know what, though? And again, I, I I harbor back to the Sens and their Parliament Hill shoulder patch. The Lighthouse shoulder patch.
1: Oh, that would be good. Yeah, That would be good. Why
0: they got rid of that, I will never understand. But yeah, it's one of those things where I think if you can update that look, it would work. People would buy it. Yeah. As much as it was hated back in the day, I think people are really looking back on it and be like, you know, it's not
1: that bad a Jersey. No, in fact, it's a it's a nice jersey. We like the jersey.
0: Absolutely. And then McCurns, I mean, there's been rumors that there's certain teams that are bringing back certain looks. The one team that kind of sparked my interest big time is actually the Montreal Canadiens. Because as you know, Tim, when they did the reverse retros last season, they did a blue jersey. Yeah. This iteration of the reverse retros, there's a rumor Going around, they're doing a Montreal
1: Expos inspired reverse retro. That's very cool because it's there's been a lot of Expos love lately. And could you have And you've actually got Expos built into the team's DNA where you could just put Yopi back in his old outfit.
0: Yeah. They've already done it. Like when the Expo or when the Blue Jays did games at Olympic Stadium a couple of years ago. They brought Yubi back. And I'd be there for that. Now, the only question I have about the Montreal ones is which, which generation of the Expo jersey do they go with? Do they go with the original baby blues or do they go with the Vladdy Sr. white with the, I think it was white with pinstripes, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, quickly, yeah, it first. was
1: white with pinstripes. I think you have to go with the baby blues.
0: Yeah, I, I could see that. That would be an interesting look. But honestly, because you and I were talking about before we hit, record on this part it was just like which one would they go with (laughs) like but even that can you imagine if the Habs go with the Expos what if the Leafs go with the Blue Jays
1: I don't know there's enough old teams that Leafs could go with although the Leafs already have a St. Pat's alternate maybe they go with the Arenas
0: maybe yeah because I'm just looking at this old picture of Pedro Martinez maybe they go with something like like that with like the dark dark blue
1: oh maybe with the dark blue yeah
0: dark blue and red but i mean i guess that's it harbors back to the jersey from last year
1: yeah and i think that's the big thing with the toronto police is i think i think i'd like to them to go with if they're gonna do an homage to a different team go to one of the old nha teams or something
0: yeah honestly if the habs do go with the Expos. I wonder, would they bring back the old Expo logo for the jersey? Maybe. That would be really cool and kind of interesting, actually. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be fun. Does this mean then the Kraken would have to go with, like, the Seahawks and the Mariners, though? Because they're not going with one of the college teams. They're not going with the Huskies or the Cougars.
1: They go with the Sonics.
0: Yeah, I was going to say... Yeah, green and, ugh, green and brown. <laughs> what a
1: terrible color profile. God.
0: Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> oh, if, if, I wish the LA Kings would go back to their um, purple and black. Black and brown. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, we could do that. We could do that.
0: So, Tim, I don't have any more comments to make on this episode. If you just want to head off to the close for another day.
1: Yeah, no, let's do her up.
0: Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the third line plug SensCast. I hope you've enjoyed it because believe me, Tim and I love recording it for you. We're on the National Podcast Network. You can find our page on National Podcast Network. You can find our links to iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Play. We're also on Twitter at third link plugs or Twitter. URL. Tim is at M91HoneyBadger. I make great weight Gipster, GR8WITE Gipster. If you want to choose an email to talk about the games, top of the R, or you also want to give some love on the Expos Reverse Retro Jersey for the Montreal Canadiens, shoot us an email at therianplinsessguys at gmail.com. Okay, Tim. So for this coming week, we've got four games. Yep. Tonight's Ottawa. game against the New Jersey Devils, which we ended up winning four to one. Tuesday, we are playing the Carolina Hurricanes. Thursday, we are playing the Pittsburgh Penguins. And Saturday, we played the Boston Bruins. All of the games in Ottawa.
1: Yeah, it's nice to just get a nice run of home games here. And there's fans in the building because they've allowed 500 in. They're doing some sort of season ticket holder raffle to assign who has rights to come to the game or not. And I think that the province said that uh, fans won't be allowed back to half capacity until later in the month. So it's going to be interesting to see how much noise 500 people can make.
0: Until next week, guys, I am your host, Taylor Gibson. And this has been Tim Jensen. Ghost Sounds, guys. Woo!